This episode is brought to you by Tommy's Express Car Wash. Join the Tommy Club. You can download the Tommy Club app and enjoy endless washing for one low price, Derek. That means unlimited car washes, unlimited clean, shiny, and dry, unlimited use of exclusive app lane, which, by the way, I've taken advantage of. It's kind of like the the express lane on the highway. You don't necessarily like to lord over everybody else, but when you're zooming through and getting in to get your car washed first, like that's why it's called Tommy's Express, right? You get unlimited access to all their locations, unlimited guest service, and perhaps most importantly, unlimited happiness, Derek. And I think that's something that we just don't emphasize nearly enough in life. I'm looking at your car right now. I'm thinking it could maybe use a trip to Tommy's Express. What do you got going on later? Thinking maybe you should stop there on your way home. You going to at least consider it? I will absolutely be going to Tommy's Express Car Wash. Now, the, the outside of your car, the exterior, it does look okay. Where my concern begins is the interior of your car. Yeah. When you have I, a, I don't a think dog. I don't think the inside of that car has seen a deep cleaning in quite some time. No, when you have a dog, when you have a golden retriever, you got hair everywhere. And they have those vacuums that, you know, it's going to get out for you. So, yeah, I'm definitely making an appointment Tommy's Express Car Wash. What I love about the, the vacuums at Tommy's Express, the cord comes down from the top. So you're not having to try and wrap it around your car and getting yourself into a pretzel. No, very flexible vacuums. You want to go to the left side of the car, the right side of your car. You're perfectly good. Tommy's Express Car Wash. Wash, rinse, repeat. And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. that. You don't got time to that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. This is a bittersweet moment right here. We're starting a little bit late today. Royals got obliterated. Starting to think it's not going to be their year. That's not what I'm referring to. Uh... I uh, I sit before you on July 1st, 2021 with the distinct feeling that this month, July 2021, could be the greatest month of all Why time. Why do you have to do You had to leave this way. You haven't done this in months. You haven't done this in months. I thought you forgot. And now you just jinx it again. You jinx before you leave. This is leaving a stink bomb. Can I leave. just have one? No. No. You're not going to jinx the month for me. Dude, I got th- I got four shows I'm left. pretty sure last time you did this is when COVID started. I've done it since then, but I've had to I've had to you know people were dying and getting sick and losing their jobs and uh I had to sort of rein it in a little bit cuz it just felt disingenuous, but you know most people are vaccinated by now. If you're not, you know, it's because you don't want to be getting back to some normalcy. All 32 NFL stadiums are going to be at, at max capacity. College athletes can use their name, image, and likeness to make money. What's not to like? July 4th, right around the weekend, we can celebrate America again. Has that America. been has that been canceled? 
Can we not celebrate America? That's going to be my thing, too. Now, I'm going to rage against cancel culture. I'm going to be that guy. Is there anything that we can get away with saying anymore? God bless America. Is that okay? Is that okay for me to say? Mm. Greatest month of all time. I'm loving what I'm seeing on social media. All if you if you check into social media today, specifically Twitter, all you're going to see is college athletes either talking about deals they've already signed or asking companies to DM them, which I I I, I got to imagine there's a better way to negotiate. I mean, I get it. You you're literally probably going to use that same platform with most of these companies, like a lot of this stuff is going to be social media mentions and things like that, but uh, it seems a little chaotic right now. Now, maybe if you have a niche audience, if you're a Kansas basketball player and you're DMing, or if you're, if you're sending a tweet out, yeah, local bars or car dealerships or apparel stores, they may follow you and say, okay, this is a guy I want to go into business with, but um, I can't imagine this is the way that the NCAA and the schools want it to go, right? Is just every athlete fending for themselves because that's what is so, it's awesome to watch, but it's startling in contrast to how it's been for, I don't know, the last 60 years of universities and athletic departments and programs just suffocating these players with, if you want to, if, Anybody wants, I mean, th- I mean, from the media side of things, right? If you're a, an average, if you're just a normal, <laughs> I almost said like citizen as if like we're not, we're not yeah. citizens. We're <laughs> no, <laughs> we're media. We're more than that. But if you want to try and talk to an athlete, I mean, it's like pulling teeth, going through an athletic department and not just... The idea that you just have to get permission, it's not that. You're not going to get that permission, right? You're just not. It's never, ever, 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 ever going to happen. Like, if I wanted to call KU today, and and I and I don't, this isn't anything against KU. It's this way everywhere. But if I wanted to call KU today and say, Cal, let me get, uh, let me get uh, Mitch. You can name any player. Hey, let me get Mitch Lightfoot on the phone. Let me get David. Let me get Ochai Baji on the, on the, uh, on the show today. It's, now, I don't even think I'll get a response. No, probably not. I'm still waiting on KU to respond to me. You know, I, I'm just trying to get on the email list. So if anybody's listening, help. There you go. Hey, help. Get, let my guy Derek get on the email list. And this is probably the best way to go about doing it is yeah. by calling them out. Well, on I'm the not radio. calling them out. I get it. They're busy people. It probably hey, just went to their. Absolutely no, calling I them out. I said help. Like somebody help me. It probably just went to their spam That's folder. That's not what you said. You said, I'm still trying to get on the email list. Yeah. Like condescendingly. I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying. Like, heard angrily, response. like. Do you know who I am? <laughs> no. I'm media. I'm saying the opposite. It probably went to their spam folder because they're like, who's this dweeb? I'm Derek Johnson yeah. of, of radio fame. Do you know who you're ignoring right now? <laughs> you can't get a hold of these guys. You can't touch them. You they are, they are so, and I hesitate to use the word coddled, but that's exactly what it is. Schools and, and athletic departments will tell you it's for their own good, but they're protecting their brand. They don't want these guys to have... They don't want the, the media to have unfettered access to them, therefore opening up the possibilities of them saying things that would be unbecoming of the brand of the University of Kansas. Or again, everywhere. But we're just using Kansas as an example here. Now, you've got these guys saying, my DMs are open. 
Mitch Lightfoot's putting out a graphic on Twitter saying, if any businesses want to do business with me, email me, tweet at me, do whatever you want. And it's got to be driving these schools insane. And now, when you're in a state like 42 of the states don't have a a bill that's actually been passed to where you know the regulations and exactly how this is going to work, like a lot of these states that have the bills passed, I think Mississippi is one of them, you have to give advance notice by a certain amount of time, whether it's one week or two weeks. If you're an athlete that's about to go into business with somebody, you have to give the school notice so that I'm sure they can vet it, make sure that it's all above board, and they essentially give the stamp of approval or more so just not denying it, right? They're just basically saying, I'm not going to veto this deal. You're not breaking any rules. Because there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of specifics that are going to get really hairy. But for the states that don't have these bills, these athletes are just going to go into, and a lot of them don't have representation, so they don't really have anybody who is going to look over if their contract's being signed, which I don't know how many people are going to be signing contracts. The first deal that I saw last night, did you see this? Because a lot of people claim to have been the first. I saw about 18 different... I saw there was one like a minute after midnight. Well, I saw there was about 18 different tweets. Like, the first athlete, this is the first athlete to have have done something. Jordan Bohannon was doing it yesterday. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, he's been in college forever, but... He's starting his own, like, shoe company or something. He's his own apparel company, J30. He's giving out, like, he's selling shoes at a fireworks stand, and if you, like, buy the shoes, you get, like, $10 off fireworks. Or yeah, so there's there's a lot. And, I mean, like, it's random athletes, man. Like, I saw an SMU linebacker is launching some deal with, uh, I don't even know what it is. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's like a fan engagement sort of site. Like, all of these like Nebraska baseball players... Two Nebraska baseball players started a podcast, and it's being sponsored by, like, two restaurants in Lincoln. So, we're not talking about Spencer Rattler, who is doing his own thing, by the way. We're not talking about these all-American candidates. You're just talking about random college athletes. They've they've had these deals in place probably for months now. They knew this was going to come. And they had these contracts that were in place, ready to go on July 1st. But these guys who are saying, uh, you know, my DMs are open, there's going to be a business. Like, we could do it. You could DM Mitch Lightfoot today and say, I'll pay you X amount of dollars to come on my show once a week. I'll pay you X amount of dollars to come on my show every other week. Now, I don't know what the going rate's going to be, but that's the type of stuff that these schools are going to go crazy over. And I'm not saying I don't like it, and I'm not saying that uh, it's not great for these athletes. What I'm saying is it's probably not the best way to conduct business because if it was, then everybody would be doing it like that. It sucks that a lot of these athletes aren't going to have representation. They're not going to know their value. And that's what's going to be interesting to see how it plays out is what's going to happen first? Are are, are, are athletes going to get Are they going to get overpaid? Are they going to get vastly underpaid a year from now? Are they going to realize, holy crap, I was doing all this stuff for chump change that guys are making three, four times as much for doing a, an appearance, right? Because like, what if, if you're a car dealer, if you're Mitch Lightfoot, and a restaurant says, I'll pay you $1,000 to just come out for two hours on a, on a Wednesday night. You don't even have to do anything. Just sit there. <laughs> just enjoy a meal. Have eat, a drink. Take a picture. I'll take a picture of you. Yeah, if anybody comes up to you, you got to let them take a picture. Yeah. yeah. Be friendly. If I'm, an, if, I'm, if I'm Mitch Lightfoot or anybody else, I'm saying, okay, done. Yeah. 
And then what about a year from now when more states have bills, it becomes more common practice. There's going to be there's going to be businesses specifically designed, and there already are. One's called Open Doors. That is literally sole function is to help represent college athletes and name, image, and likeness deals. And they're going to come in and say, dude, we could have got you 4000 You know? And you're going to feel like a chump, but this is the world that the NCAA has created. They have nobody to blame for themselves. And, you know, talking to, and we talked to Kevin Flaherty about this. We talked to Dan Wetzel at Yahoo Sports. It's not the NCAA. It's the, it's the athletic department. It's the athletic directors in the school. Like, these are the people who fought NIL for so long, and they're the same people who are going to feel like their world is being flipped upside down, and they have nobody to blame but themselves. Because this isn't ideal. Whatever, whatever you want to say about it, 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 you can say it's great, but it's chaotic, yeah. and that's not the way it should be operating. No, it shouldn't at all. I mean, they have used the term wild, wild west to describe what's going to happen on July 1st with all of this opening up, and it kind of is, but you know what the reason why? It's because of the NCAA. It would still be a wild, wild west to a certain point because it's the first time we're doing it, and it's free reign, and it's the open field, and again, you don't know, like you said, like people getting overpaid, underpaid. It's going to take a while for the market to kind of correct itself there. Um, but what they're doing is making it more of instead of just the free wild west where it's just like we're exploring, it is now the wild west where you have train robbers coming in, robbing the train because nobody, like, they're just stupid rules and guidelines along the way that shouldn't be there. And this is not gonna. There's not gonna be a quick fix either. Like by the NCAA was sending this stuff down like yesterday and earlier this week. So is there any, like, is there any structure set up to representation? Right? Is there any structure set up to how schools can interact with the deals that these kids are making? Like that's gonna take so long to sort of navigate. Those sorts of issues. Remember when Northwestern football wanted to unionize? You you imagine how much cleaner this would all be if they had allowed that, what was that, almost a decade ago? Gosh. Five years ago, six years ago? I mean, do you think that uh, that opens up again, though, now given the NIL stuff? Do you think there's going to be a... Like, if they, if they brought that case to court now, as opposed to when that did happen, whatever, five, ten years ago, do you think there's a better chance that they would have won the case? You'd have to think so, right? Oh, by the way, do you see uh you see Mitch Lightfoot? I don't know if this is real or not. Somebody somebody like photoshopped him in a keeps ad, <laughs> which I like the it's a male baldness product or it doesn't make you bald. <laughs> For guys who want to go bald, keeps uh it's keeping your hair. Um he said, get keeps. He's like, let's go. And they responded. I said, let's make it happen. I don't know. Though. They only have like 400 followers, though, but it looks to be. I don't know. It's probably not the business that you want to go. What is the funniest business that a player could get involved with in Lawrence? Strip club. Yeah, that would be funny. But like, what's what's the funniest from like a non. Non-strip club? Like point non, of yeah, view? like non. I don't want to say vulgar, but yeah, like non-vulgar point of view. I don't think there's anything vulgar about adult entertainment. Oh, okay. Uh, you don't think it would be funny at all if, like, some player got, like, a deal with, like, Taco Bell where they got, like, free Taco Bell twice a week and he just showed up next year just 30 pounds heavier? 
Yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do if you're a coach? You can say you can't do that. Yeah. You can advise against it. He's like, hey, okay, take the take the cash, but who do you think would be if I gave you the last 20 years of Kansas athletics? I want you to think about this before just blurting out I already out an feel like I have an answer. I don't even know what you're going to ask, but I want to say Jeff Graves. Okay, no. <laughs> okay. This once I actually ask the question, you're going to change your answer. Okay. 20 years Kansas Athletics, who would have been the 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 athlete who would have made the most money off of NIL during their their collegiate career? Oh, I clearly thought you were going to like the who would have had the most obscure yeah. advertisements. Okay. Yeah. Who would have made those money? Um See, if you do it by one year, like just one specific year, I think it's it's more of an argument like you know, like an Andrew Wiggins would have made so much money in one year, right? Uh, ben Macklemore would have made so much money in one year, but over the course of the career, now you got all four years. Okay, then it, okay, then don't even make this a math equation. Make it a, just a simple question of who's been the most marketable athlete. Probably Devontae Graham. I know this sound. This probably this is probably not the right answer, but my gut tells me it's Todd Racing. Uh, that would have been because a good one. it's yeah. a frenzy, man. It was a frenzy because it had never there was nothing like it. You go from being a middling college football team to national championship contender because of this little five ten quarterback, like that. God, he would have had the he had the city in the palm of his hand. He would have gotten everything he wanted. You're right, like basketball by and large, like is going to be more marketable like Andrew Wiggins that was a storm that was a circus but man there's Todd Reesing that was just such a magical year and a career for him like he would have every every business in town would have wanted a piece of him every single business in town like that guy that guy could have made a million dollars and Todd Reesing could have made a million dollars in three years A million dollars in three years. And it wouldn't have been, hey, I'll do an autograph signing. Mm-hmm. It would have been uh it would have been like cutting deals, sponsorships. Oh, it would have been bigger. It would have been bigger yeah. than Lawrence, too. It would have been bigger than Lawrence. I want to keep chewing on this. Scott Chasen of 24-7 Sports Fog.net is gonna join us coming up at the top of the next hour. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk. All right, I had about five minutes to think about it, and I think I'm sticking with Todd Racing. I think Todd Racing, 20 years, so that puts you back to 2001. I think Todd Racing would be the most marketable athlete in KU Athletics. Are you sticking with Devontae Graham? I really like the Todd Racing one. Um, honestly, Aqib Tlaib, I think, would have done really mm. well, but I'll, I'll stick with Devontae. Wiggins is, I mean, for a one-year sample, yeah, Wiggins would have gotten every, anybody he wanted in that one year. But also, Wiggins proved to not be marketable, but in, I mean, he was on the cover. Was, he would have signed all his contracts before the season yeah, started. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, he could have just signed a big shoe deal. He could have just signed a $300,000 deal with Adidas, and boom, he wins. Scott Chasen, Fog.net, 24-7 Sports, joins us now on the show. Scott, what do you think? If I gave you 20-year sample, 20-year sample size, which Kansas athlete, whether you want to do it, in, you want to make this a math equation and just say how much money they would have made, but, but who would have been 
Do you think the most marketable athlete in KU history over the past 20 years? Yeah, that's a really tough question. I love it. Um, the, the names that came to my mind, you touched on one of them being Wiggins. Uh, Joel Embiid had kind of like, uh, what, like a folk hero kind of lore to mm-hmm. his time in Lawrence that I think over time could have been something. But I, I wouldn't underrate Andrew Wiggins' selling potential, even though he obviously didn't have the personality for it. I mean, you go back to late night in the fog and people getting actually turned away uh, from that event, which is the only time I can remember that happening, at least in significant numbers. Um, I think that spectacle was so great and so large that I have to think uh, he really would have had the chance to, to do something. Now, you know, obviously there are a lot of other guys. Devontae Graham's a great one on the basketball team. Todd Reesing is a terrific I mean, that's a tremendous one in and of itself. And even a guy like, I, I wouldn't short the people like BMAC or, or, you know, just people who know the area, know people, are, are you know, expert communicators and clearly went on to have a great career in media and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, Wiggins is probably the one to me because he could, he could have knocked it out of the park. I mean, really, with just like one autograph signing or something. I mean, isn't didn't the story go that the part of the reason they opened the basketball player dorms uh, were because people would basically like camp out at Jayhawk towers to like get to Andrew Wiggins and things like that. And they were like, Hey, these guys, you know, they need some security. They need their own space. And so, yeah, Wiggins is probably the one that comes to mind. When you see all these college athletes, you know, putting stuff on Instagram and, and Twitter saying, you know, email me, my, my DMS are open. How do you think, the, the colleges, the the compliance offices feel about what has basically been taken away from them, which is control over what these athletes can do and who they can sort of speak to. You know, it, it's crazy. Um, when this whole thing kind of started, and I, I don't mean at midnight, I mean just like the idea that athletes were going to be able to, to capitalize on their name and image and likeness, it just kind of seemed crazy that they weren't previously able to. Like it's one of those things that it, it, it was a certain way for so long that I think people just accepted it as status quo. And then you start talking about paying players and people freak out like, you know, people in every other field don't get paid to go to work. And like, you know, people are paying to see them and no matter what sport it is uh, and they're making money for the university and the university brags about X, Y, and Z and they're not getting paid, you know, Nick, I graduated from KU, like obviously a lot of people in this area, and I remember at my graduation, and they showed this video of all the great things that happened at KU, and I remember thinking it was funny that like 20, 20% of that video must have been the men's basketball team. Um, and, you know, at the same time, none of the players on that team that the university is showing, oh, look at all the reasons Kansas is great. Look at this, 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 this. None of those guys got paid. And, yeah, they got scholarships, so they got to be there for free, so that's cool. But uh, to me, it, it just always seems so silly. So I'm sure there's some frustration among compliance departments. And I know there are a lot of people out there right now who are saying, well, these guys aren't going to know how to do X, and they're going to get tricked by X, and they won't do their taxes right. You know, all, whatever. Who cares? Like, this is what the system should have been, and it should have been this way for a long time. So I think overall it's just been cool to kind of watch uh, different guys capitalize it and girls in different ways. And um, I think it'll be really, really exciting to see what comes of it. And, you know, uh, I don't think it'll be as hectic as it was this time around. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily in Lawrence, but at a lot of places with deals, you know, being announced right at midnight or stuff going up on Instagram and social media. It won't always be like that. 
but I do think it will be something that's here to stay and a, and a good way for people to make some money. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great in theory. I think the NCAA, kind of like what you were saying, I think the NCAA dragging their feet on this and making it to where you've got most states who don't have bills passed, therefore there's not really any guidelines to go by, right? Like I know some states have a, hey, you got to let us know. You got to let the school know seven days ahead or 15 days ahead of when you're actually going to start this deal where I don't, I don't have like the paternal fear that these guys are going to get screwed over. I think it's just like guys don't know, guys aren't going to know their worth. They don't have representation. They don't know what their value is going to be on the open market. And for that, it is going to be pretty chaotic, I think, for the first year, just trying to figure out exactly how all this is going to work. Well, there has to be a, I, and this is true of any field, right? Um, you, you have to have some kind of a, a network in place. And this is just like individually, you know, when, when you go into any job or when you go into anything about, you know, how am I going to explore all the, the right avenues and make sure I'm doing business with the right people? And so like, yeah, I mean, if someone came to me and asked for my advice as, as like an athlete or someone looking to get involved, I think my first thing would tell them would be, you know, make sure you know who you're talking to and make sure you've got people you can trust. And, you know, I would bet athletic departments will set people up um, or, or set their athletes up and, and, you know, talk to them and say, hey, here are some good people to talk to or, you know, here are people we trust. Here are relationships that we have that, you know, we can't do this for you, but we can certainly, um, you know, point you in the right direction or whatever they're allowed to do. I don't even know. And, you know, I think we'll, we'll have to see what obviously, you know, what kind of rules and stuff are formed around this kind of almost after the fact. But, yeah, I mean, it's tricky from the perspective of, you know, the whole point of this story and this, I don't know if you call it a bill or whatever you call it, is that it's freedom for athletes to do what they can do, do what they should be able to do, do what they, you know, give them opportunities to make money that they deserve to be able to make. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think there's always kind of a natural, you know, desire to step in with analysis or say, well, this is the right way, this is the wrong way. But the fact of the matter is this story is about athlete kind of freedom uh, in a sense. And so, yeah, I find myself towing that line of like, well, I could write like a thoughtful piece about like pros and cons and X, Y, you know, and Z. And then I, I think the other part of me says, maybe I'll just sit back and, and kind of watch and see how it goes. And that's kind of currently the route I'm taking. Talking to Scott Chasen of Fog.net here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Do you think we'll start to see, like, how, what do you think is going to be the line here with recruiting? Like, we know specifically for Kansas basketball, right? You're one of the premier programs. You get to recruit uh, the best of the best players. You can utilize your basketball fame or prowess to make money, yet guys aren't able to go out there. Like, Mitch Lightfoot can't go to an event and wear a, a Kansas jersey, right? Like, you can't use the brand, but... What do you think that, that that's going to do for recruiting? Because there was the fear initially for people who pushed back on it. The NCAA would sort of use this this thought as well that the rich are going to get richer, right? The Alabamas and the Oklahomas and the Ohio States of the of the football world, and the KU's and the Dukes and the North Carolina. They're just it's just going to get easier for them. What sort of advantages? I know you cover recruiting. What sort of advantages are going to be there for a place like Kansas when going out and trying to use this to their advantage? There will probably be some built-in advantage just in terms of fan base and the number of people who care and maybe awareness and the stage. But, you know, I, I haven't necessarily thought through that mattering that much more beyond, you know, maybe this is the wrong way to think about it. But I think with a couple of guys 
who are like top end recruits, maybe that affects a decision, your marketability. But if that was the case, you know, I, I don't necessarily see that swinging a guy's decision. Like, let me just give you an example of like Andrew Wiggins. Like, let's say Andrew Wiggins had really wanted to go to like, uh, you know, insert whatever college and Kansas was the other option, but he was like, well, that college's marketing is slightly better. Like, I don't, I don't see many elite, elite tier prospects kind of making their decisions that way. I mean, I'm sure it's a factor, but you get to a certain point where it's like Kansas or North Carolina or Duke or Kentucky, you know, like it's all, it's all more or less the same, maybe with a slight, you know, slight lean to a John Calipari, Kentucky kind of a deal. But, uh, you know, I think maybe it could affect guys in the, you know, uh, 50 to 100 range of recruiting rankings who are just looking for that combination of the right place to go to develop your game and maybe understanding, hey, I'm going to be in college a few years and, you know, if Kansas can give me this great platform, whatever, maybe that's an added boost. I, I don't know is the big answer. I don't know really how it will affect things. I think it's most important for colleges to be willing and able to adapt. Uh, and I listened to Bill Self on one podcast he went on, and he talked about that. He said, you know, Kansas doesn't know yet how, They'll be able to help and use these roles, but they are going to try, you know, within whatever they're allowed to do to, you know, express that to prospects and guys who come on campus and basically say, you know, Kansas being we, we, you know, are not going to hurt you. We're going to help you. And, and that being kind of that recruiting pitch um, to those young guys. So there's so much uncertainty. There's still so much to see, but you know, I, I don't know yet is the, the answer. I think it does help. I, I don't know that it necessarily changes the dynamics of anything all that much. Uh, next Wednesday, less than a week. Um, I'm not going to ask you the same question about Ochai Baji with the NBA draft deadline looming. Um, I've asked you probably three or four different iterations <laughs> of it. Uh, if he does come back, I'll give you the, the scenario between him and David McCormick. Which player would you say is more likely to be Big 12 Player of the Year, Ochai Baji or David McCormick? I would say David McCormick. And I, I listened to a little bit of what you were talking about. might have been yesterday, might have been a couple days ago, um, just about like potential All-American buzz with David McCormick. And, and the distinction I would draw with him versus Ochai is I think Ochai can be really, really successful and have a great year and even boost his NBA stock. Uh, without really changing his numbers or his role around all that much. I think just being a consistent uh, parameter, kind of shooter, play good defense, maybe do a little bit more in creation and off the bounce, I think that would go a long way for him. Uh, with David McCormick, it's, you know, if, if David McCormick is consistent, if he's the consistent version of himself when he was at his best self toward the end of last year, he is an All-American. And he's not a second-team All-American, he's a first-team All-American. If you took David McCormick's top 10 games from last season and you made that his average for an entire season, he'd be the best big man Bill Self has ever coached. And that includes Yudoka Azubuki, and that includes, you know, Diedrich Lawson, and that includes, you know, whoever. Uh, maybe 10 is a stretch, maybe like seven. But, you know, that, that's the kind of, like, stage or, or ability that he's able to play to. Now, the 10 to 15 games on the other side of that, that obviously we're not good at all and that we're bad. Um, so, you know, he's got to figure out how to be consistent, how to reach his ceiling more often than not. But, I mean, look at games against Oklahoma State. Look at the game against Baylor. Look at the game against Texas Tech. I mean, even the first-round NCAA tournament game when he's playing through a foot injury, coming off a COVID pause, and the guy was an absolute just game-changer. And, you know, that's the kind of potential Bill Self envisioned when he said that, you know, he had the ability to play like an All-American. 
I think for David McCormick, the key is keeping that efficiency because in Big 12 play, he was very efficient. He was the team's most efficient player. Is keeping that efficiency, doing it long-term, you know, knowing the balance of when is it a good shot versus when is it a bad shot, and taking advantage of the more spacing on the floor to not have to deal with double teams, knowing when he can get to his spot, overwhelm defenders who are smaller than him, being a little bit more physical and probably dunking a little bit more. Uh, those kind of little tweaks, I think, will pay off for him in a big way. When you, when you say about Ochai just simply being able to settle into uh, a different role or a slightly altered role, and that could improve his draft stock naturally, is that... Do you think how it works? And I'm not challenging it necessarily. I just, I wonder, like, are, are NBA teams smart enough, wise enough to say, okay, you are, this is this is the real version of you. This is the version of you that we should be scouting versus, okay, you were in an ideal scenario, which sort of masked some of your deficiencies. Well, I think the normally I would say there isn't a huge difference. But I would say in this case, what he would need to show and, and what I was kind of alluding to is just a little bit more playmaking ability. Because, and you saw this at the, uh, if, you know, for anyone who watched the, the combine scrimmages, Ochoa Abaji is a nice player, okay? He, he can fit in. You can put him on any basketball court anywhere at any level. And he'll do a couple things that make you notice him and that you enjoy. But right now he offers very little in terms of game-changing at the next level. And the reason why is he doesn't take anyone off the bounce. He's not aggressive enough. Uh, he's not the guy that's going to you know, dribble around you with all these splashy moves, you know, pull up and score. Um, you know, he's a catch-and-shoot guy, and people say, well, 3 and D is so valuable in the NBA. But quite frankly, Ochai Abaji is not established to the level of 3 and D that you think of when you're talking about NBA 3 and D wings. I mean, take a look at, at just the game, what, last night, a guy like Jay Crowder. Ochai Abaji is not as strong as Jay Crowder. He is not as big as Jay Crowder. His shot will not be as consistent as Jay Crowder. He's not as good off the bounce as Jay Crowder. And Jay Crowder, for a lot of his career, has been considered a fringe NBA guy. And Ochai Abaji is not in the stratosphere of that. So that's the level he has to get to. And in order to do that, there are ways to do that. And I think one of the easiest, or one of the most natural, is adding a little bit of playmaking ability. Uh, this is a guy that we were hearing about a couple of years ago that could handle the ball a little bit, that, you know, maybe not emergency point guard, whatever, but certainly could be a transition ball handler, uh, can use his athleticism. He has great athleticism. Use it to your advantage. Use it to get around over and by guys. So I think for him, that's the development that he has to start to show is that, you know, yes, he can make threes. Yes, he can play defense. Yes, he has the length. Yes, he has, you know, kind of the physical attributes. But what more can he do with the tools that he has? And so I think that's what probably uh, NBA teams want to see, even if his, like, his numbers and his like, role on the team uh, doesn't change all that much. He is Scott Chasen. You can check out all of his work at fog.net, 247sports.com. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for the time, Scott. Thanks for having me. All right. That is Scott Chasen. He is Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk. I don't know how many more of these I've got left. I said earlier in the week I don't want to leave any bullets in the chamber. I've got three shows left after today, one tomorrow, Tuesday, and then Wednesday. And Wednesday could be a bit of a mess uh, with some things that we, we might be doing. So it's important for me to do this today in another edition of the most self-explanatory segment in the history of Sports Talk Radio. I'm going to give you the top 10 Jacksons. I gave you the top 10 Steves last week. Very controversial. People weren't expecting it. I don't know if they're expecting this one. The top 10 Jacksons of all time. Let's start it off with number 10. 
Number 10. Number 10, Randy Jackson. Formerly of American Idol. I don't even know what he was doing before that. Record executive, but he was made famous by American Idol. And his catchphrase, that's a no for me, dog. Still, I mean, 15 years later, that phrase is still uttered. It's in the, it's in the American conscious. And if, if that's what you're able to leave behind, if nothing else, that is still such an incredible legacy. Randy Jackson, number 10. Number nine. Number nine, Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson. Would you know who Janet Jackson is had she not exposed her breast at the Super Bowl? Were you even... Do you even no, remember I don't that? Remember. I, I don't remember. But you remember, remember the story. Watching it, but yeah, I, I I know the story. Would you have known about Janet Jackson if not for her nipple? Probably not. I probably would have heard. The, was she part of the Jackson Five? Well, no, but she was a family. She was Jackson Five were all boys, but she was the younger sister. Okay, so I might have heard about it eventually, but no, it wouldn't stick in my head. Have you ever went back and watched the video? No, I haven't. Huh. If you don't have any plans have you? tonight, oh, well, I mean, like I watched it live. Times. I watched it live. It's probably been scrubbed from the How internet. How many times by now. have you watched it? I mean, dude, it's, it's the NFL. Do you think they're just letting that video float out there? Of course not. Number eight. Number eight, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, the director of the Lord of the Rings movies, not the author. That was J.R.R. Tolkien. Tolkien. Peter Jackson directed them. Big fan. Honestly, not really. I never really got into Lord of the Rings. Uh, I know a lot of people who, you know, like, yeah, I feel like there's, there's what, Star Wars, there's like Avengers, there's Lord of the Rings. I feel like everybody has like a favorite. Yeah. Lord of the Rings was last for me. They're a bit of a beating, but mm-hmm. about three hours a piece, <laughs> and it's a lot of made up languages, and, a, and there's just a lot happening. There's a lot happening, and uh, you just need to be. You need to be prepared for that. So it's on the nerdiest end of the spectrum of things that I've been into. Like, I never really got in like Star Trek or like Battleship Galactica and stuff. But that's about as extreme as I would go. Peter Jackson, great. The great, the movies hold up though. Great action scenes, good special effects. So uh, Peter Jackson, number eight. Number seven. Number seven. This is where the controversy begins. Number seven, Shoeless Joe. Jackson. Whoa. Not to be confused with Joe Jackson, the patriarch of the Jackson Five. Mm. Shoeless Joe Jackson, uh, most notably known for rigging the 1919 World Series. Are you saying no other other Joe Jacksons have not worn shoes before? Well, he was known as uh, as Shoeless oh, Joe. Other people could have been as well. With the, the Black Sox. Mm. So controversial they had to change the name. But they didn't do a whole lot. We, we don't really talk about that much. Is that why they changed the name? Is I don't that really why. <laughs> I don't know, but like, why change something from the Black Sox to the White Sox? They just wanted to wear different colored socks. Mm, maybe. Do the White Sox ever wear black socks? Do they wear white socks for every I was game? Say, do they even wear white socks? I I, 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 I can feel picture, like they wear black socks. Like I can picture they wear stirrup socks. Yeah, they I can become the stirrup. Socks. I don't know. I can Chicago picture their stirrups. uniforms in my head, but I don't know if I've ever seen them like wear white socks versus black socks. But shoeless Joe, number seven. Number six. Number six. Reggie Jackson. Mm, which which one? one? Yeah, which one? <laughs> Reggie Jackson of the Clippers probably made himself a lot of money mm-hmm. this postseason, but I'm actually talking about Mr. October. Okay, good. I was going to be upset with you if it was the other Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, baller. The epitome of what we love in sports. Mm-hmm. Clutch. Just be clutch. Mm-hmm. 
just do it. But he was really good it, in the regular season. But though. it doesn't matter, right? It, what matters is did you do it in the postseason? Did you come up clutch? If it weren't for Reggie Jackson, I don't even know what the barometer would be for clutchness. But he did it. Changed sports forever. Number five. Into the top five. Number five, Andrew Jackson. No, Nick. Is he canceled? Yeah. What do you mean? You by proxy are now canceled. He was the president of the United States. A bad one. What'd he do? A trail of Tears. Uh-huh. Ever heard of it? Yeah. It's Old not Hi- good. Old Hickory. Is that his nickname? I think so. He was number seven? Number seven. Our seventh president, man. Hey, listen. You can't you can't cancel history. I'm not saying I'm not canceling the history. I'm just saying if you're doing a ranking of the best Jacksons, what he has done probably should put him greatest. on the top. 10. It's the greatest Jacksons, not the best. Mm, I still don't think that makes him great. Well, I figured if I changed the like, verbiage, hey, let's kill a bunch of people. That's well, no, great. I don't. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't agree with all of his policies. But he was elected president, and okay. for that, like, I'm just respecting. Yeah. I, it. I'm looking forward to your next list, the top ten list of Adolfs. You know, <laughs> I respect. I respect the office of the presidency of the United States. If you don't, that's your decision. Number four. Okay, you're going to have a problem with this one. Number four, Phil Jackson. He's racist mm. now. You have a problem oh, with yeah, that? yeah, because Scottie Pippen. Uh, no, I, I like Phil Jackson. He seems good coach. You win, what, nine titles? Eleven. Titles, 11, 12, 13. I don't know. A lot. He's six, good. Six with the Bulls, five with the Lake Show. Yeah. Come on. Unique character. Um, I don't know. Very interesting guy. Zen Master, right? The Zen Master. That's, That's right. Nickname. I had to get him on the list now because, I mean, by next year, Andrew by next Jackson year, he'll move will be up. off. Phil he'll Jackson move up will be because off. Because when they get canceled, they get moved up on your list. <laughs> With my list. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Number three. Number three, Bo Jackson. Oh, okay. He hasn't been canceled. No. It never what will be. What is Bo Jackson's real name? It's not Bo, right? It's got to be something else. What if it's like Beauregard? Would that change everything? Vincent Edward. Uh, okay. Yeah, that doesn't sound as good, right? Not that interesting. Vincent Jackson. So multiple Vincent Jacksons, if you want to go by that name. Yeah, the not, dude. Why would you bring up that Vincent Jackson? Oh, that's right. I He's forgot. passed away. This is, this whole segment's getting canceled. My goodness, dude. Bringing up. At least you're out of here. Next bad week. president. Yeah, you, you know have that's to why deal I said with the residue of this. I said I'm not leaving any bullets in the chamber. Why do you think I waited until my last week on the job to do my top Jacksons? Because I knew the world wouldn't be able to handle it. But it's 2021. I'm letting it all hang out. Is Bo Jackson? Will you tell me this? The greatest athlete of the Jacksons? I will tell you that he is the greatest multi-sport athlete. Oh, he's not even the best individual Jackson athlete. I didn't say that. I said he is the greatest multi-sport athlete. Yeah, so Jackson. there's going to be a single-sport athlete, Jackson. Hmm. Action, Jackson. Could be. Hmm. I mean, dude, he won the Heisman. Yeah. What else do you want from him? I mean, the All MLB, American, NFL, NFL, MLB. I mean, it's Jim Thorpe, Bo Jackson, and t- as far as I'm concerned, multi-sport. Kyler Murray, hmm. Russell Wilson, Tim Tebow, and he's on the. Mount Rushmore of most dominant video game. How characters. about that? You just got an Inception. Let's rank stuff inside another. Let's rank stuff. I just gave you the top five multi-sport athletes of all time off the top of my head. Tim Tebow cracked the top five. Congratulations to him. Number two, Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson, the actor, Derek, the actor. Yes, I figured that one out. I knew it wasn't that picture on the Louisville sideline that one time where it was like. 
Lamar Jackson next to some guy who had Samuel. By the way, Lamar Jackson not on the list. Samuel Jackson, did you know, is the highest grossing actor of all time. Is he really? His movies have made $27 billion. Oh. Well, it helps he's in the Avengers movies, right? It, it helps you're in the Avengers movies. You were in Jurassic Park. Oh you were gosh. in, I mean, he's just been in a lot of movies. Like, he had a minor role in Goodfellas, but Goodfellas made a boatload of money. So... You just get a get an appearance, get the check, and then you get to claim to be yeah, he's like, he's accurately like, to be the the highest grossing actor. You know, of all he's kind of like uh, like who's a good example of like a ring chaser? He, he's like Gary Payton, like Gary Payton, Hall of Fame career on his own merits, right? Like when you're in great movies with Quentin Tarantino and stuff, like that's gonna help you get in on your own merit. But then once you have all that done, once you tell the world that hey, I'm a really good actor, now it's like hey, I'll go ring chase. I'll go get that ring with the Lakers in 2000. But, I mean, but like you said, Tarantino's calling him for Django and Hateful Eight. Like he's still getting yeah, cast. So that's it's, what I'm saying. It's not like he's washed up. No, no, I don't mean it like that. I'm just saying like he has the ability to. He's done everything he needs to in his individual career. Well, you say he's chasing he's rings. Out. I think he's. I think he's. He's chasing ghosts. I mean, he's chasing. No, he's chasing himself. Mm. Because every movie he's in, he's just distancing himself from whoever is second best. Like, you want to talk about the all-time unbreakable records? It's like Samuel Jackson, 27 billion. Wilt Chamberlain, 13,000 women or however many, 10,000 women. And uh, Cal Ripken Jr., consecutive games. Like, those are the unbreakable. You're getting more lists. That's the (laughs) third list in this list. It's time for number one, though. Number one. The number one Jackson of all time is... Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. You fooled me. Is he canceled too? No, but you made it sound like there was going to be another athlete on this list based on how you responded to the Bo Jackson one. No, I said I responded accurately. He is the top multi-sport yeah, athlete. Top sport athlete. Yeah, Here. but I, I like yeah. to. I don't like to shortchange him. He's uh-huh. a multi-sport athlete, so he's not just anybody else. The king of pop. Yeah. Can you name three Michael Jackson songs? In uh, another edition of How Young Is oh Derek? Uh, the one about the whale, Free Willy. What? Or it's in Free Willy. It's oh. in the... You, this is a bad start. Well, it's a bad start because uh, the one about uh, is not my lover, Billy Jean or whatever. Billy Jean, yeah. There we go. Uh, two down. Oh, come well, on, you didn't Derek. Really even, no, you have one. You have one. <laughs> um, I've got, oh, a thriller. That's the easy one. Okay, one more. You didn't get the Free Willy one. The Free Willy one. It, it is in Free Willy. I know, but you didn't name it. And he sings about it. It's called Will You Be There, but you didn't yeah, name will it. Will You Be There. Free Willy, You'll Be There. Can't Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. It's kind of messed up if you watch the like, music video of that. People think there's there's a metaphor. The Free Willy. Well, I don't want to get into that. Save that for next week when <laughs> I'm gone. You can you can make that your explosive first monologue in the post Nick Short RCST. Alright, that's Let's Rank Stuff and this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. So Pat Beverly uh, his season is now over, Clippers guard. His season ended actually prematurely, at least compared to the rest of his Clippers teammates because one of the most flagrant plays I've ever seen, not because it was just like you'll you'll see the people who will say there's no place there's no place for that in sports or that's just disgust get that man off off the court that's uh that's just flagrant like it's not flagrant in that I think it was such a horrible thing that he should be ashamed of it's flagrant in that who shoves somebody in the back it would have been the equivalent of 
him running up and just like kicking someone. Like who kicks, right? Who kick like kicking Chris Paul in the shin. But <laughs> it was just such a funny video when you put when you get pushed in the back and Chris Paul's head whip whips backwards. It was the first time where I think Chris Paul was not actually acting about when he got hit, like earlier in the game. Like he, he yes, he sold the DeMarcus Cousins elbow, but like DeMarcus Cousins was trying like he raised his elbow. He was trying to hit Chris Paul. He missed. Chris Paul's like, you're not getting away with that. Pat Beverly shoves Chris Paul in the back, gets ejected from the game. He tweets earlier today, at CP3, emotions got the best of me last night, gang. My bad, wasn't meant for you. Congrats on making it to the finals. It wasn't meant for you. He didn't (laughs) even say anything. He didn't even say anything to you. You guys probably made eye contact in passing, and that was enough for Beverly to say, you know what, F this, my season's over, I'm going to get a piece before I walk off the court. And that's exactly what happened. So to say, like, that wasn't, who was it meant for? Does that make it better? No. Hey, I murdered somebody, but don't worry. It was meant for your neighbor. Have you? you know? But, like, that, I mean, I get it. I get when it crosses the line in a in a sporting event. Because even if you're not a professional athlete, like, you get to the point where frustration completely clouds your judgment. And you just do not care whatsoever about what you came to that building to do. Or what you... It can happen on the golf course. It can happen uh, in any sort of event where you just say, whatever I came here, baseball, diamond, whatever I came here to do is irrelevant now to what I want to do in this very moment, which is shove this guy very violently in the back. Like, uh, rec league games? Haven't you getting, haven't you got kicked out of uh, have a rec league game, or is that just me? Um, I know you have. I've. I don't think I've gotten kicked out of a rec league game. I've gotten technicals at a rec league game. So I've gotten kicked out by association. I've got uh, into a parking lot altercation. Both those were both rec league basketball. But that's with the other team. And then I've gotten See, my my issue is like I've the gotten refs. kicked out yeah. of a, of a charity dodgeball tournament too. You want to spin the wheel? I'll tell one of the stories. Which uh, one do you want to hear? I mean, I've heard the dodgeball. I've heard the punch in the face. Give me the other one. Okay, so uh, that would be the getting kicked out of. This is at KU Rec Center. We lived, I lived at Oliver, so we lived right across the street from the Rec. So we were there all the time. And we would just play pickup. We weren't even in a league. We, we would just play pickup game. Actually, we were in a league. And this may have been a league game. I don't really remember. But we were there a lot. And it was to the point where... None of us were that skilled, but when you play four nights a week, you just get a little bit more polished on certain things. Like, it was to the point where I was never that good, but I could hit open jumpers very regularly because we were playing yeah, so it's like often. like golf, the more you play. Yeah, your, yeah. your handles get a little bit tighter, right? Things like that. And so we got semi-competitive. I would say we got semi-competitive. I feel like you're underselling this. In that we yeah. wanted to win, uh-huh. but we had a hothead. We had a couple hotheads Were you one of team. those hotheads? Honestly, in other settings, <laughs> I would have been the like. There have been other teams where I'm the hothead. And I'm. this is year, you know a decade ago. A decade ago, I would have been number one choice to be the hothead. Not anymore. I just want to say that now for posterity. <laughs> I'm not still actively going out in rec league games and getting in arguments, but I was... An agitator. Mm. I wasn't easily agitated, but I was an agitator. And then when they would come back at me, I was like, "Let's let's do it, right?" So this this team, though, I was like third. 
or fourth maybe on the hothead list. And so you had a team of Draymond Greens and Patrick Beverly's. I would say the guy who is about to be the central focus of this story is a combination between Marshall Henderson and Pat Beverly (laughs) and Grayson Allen just in terms of likability or lack thereof. And he was like one of the worst players on the team, but he was tiny. Oh, Aaron Kraft. Okay. Tiny, scrappy, played hard, runs everywhere. Like one of those guys who plays annoyingly hard defense. Yeah. And he's closing out hard on every shot. So you would be like, that's a foul. And he'd argue with everything. Yeah. You get into certain leagues where it's like, you all, there's almost this expectation that you're going to let me get a couple shots off here. And if you're that guy who's closing out hard and making sure you never have an inch to shoot, it's just annoying because you're like, I'm not even really trying. It's 10 o'clock. The rec's going to close here. Fun here. Yeah. I'm trying to have fun. And he was that guy, though, that was not going to let you have any fun <laughs> because that was what was fun to him. Mm-hmm. What was fun to him was ruining your night. Okay. Right? So he was doing his normal antics, and guys were getting pissed. And so he starts yelling at the guy who he's guarding and they're chirping and the ref base tells him knock it off. And I don't even know who ref these that's how I know it was a league. No, game. they're like because they're ref students. Yeah, they're yeah. like part timers. Yeah. They're not I mean ten bucks to ref the game. They're not certified or any they they they're just doing this for like a some minimum wage by beer money. And so the ref kind of tells him to, to knock it off, but they keep going at it. And finally the ref Tells him you're done, you're out, like you're out of the game. That was it. Like you just can't play anymore. You're out. And I think, and it was a big deal because we only had five guys there that night, so we didn't have a fourth guy. And everybody's sort of mad. And so this is sort of like skipping a step that Pat Beverly skipped last night. Is he waited until he got kicked out to say, "Well, now I've got nothing to lose." And instead of yelling at the ref and arguing that he should be in, he was like basically saying, I'm done, so this is what I'm going to do. And he, <laughs> he, this guy is a horrible, I don't talk to him. Uh, by the way, I just want to let that be known as well. <laughs> I don't, we have not kept in touch since college, since freshman year of college. He uh, threw the ball at the guy's face and then walked up and punched him in the nose. The ref or the the guy the oh guy my. he was arguing oh. with. So he's like, so I'm gonna like again like Pat Bevitt's like my night's done, so I'm gonna get my pound of flesh before I'm done here, and it was such a it crossed the line. You know the 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 Chappelle show bit Charlie Murphy habitual line stepper, and he stepped way over the line just to say like I'm gonna. Punched, he threw the ball at him so that he was discombobulated and he was sort of like back on his heels. That's kind of genius. If like you think that about would be it. enough. No. Like you feel like that would <laughs> yeah, be enough yeah. to get your point across. I don't like you, but he, this guy was just such a. Hot, he walked up and punched him in the face, and at that <laughs> point, everybody's like, we're all like, oh, my, and his nose bleeding. Like he broke his nose, and so we the the ref was like yelling at somebody to call the police, and the. We were with, again, this is like late night game. The guy we were with turns around and runs out the door, which happened to be a fire exit. It was an emergency exit. So he runs out the door and we're standing just like bewildered on the court. And now the fire alarms start going off. 
in the in the rec center with like I don't know a hundred other people, and we're just standing around. And I think we were all kind of thinking the same thing, like, well, now the fire department's going to show up, the police are going to show up. He's gone, so they're just going to come start asking us questions. And I thought to myself, I was like, well, I can't run out of here. I didn't do anything wrong, but I didn't want to sit there and answer questions. This guy's bleeding. The referees are screaming. The other team wants to fight us. And now the services are coming. So we just sort of power walked. Like, we were just like, I guess the game's over, so bye. And we walked out of the gym. And I never went back, by the way. I was so afraid. This was like spring semester, <laughs> freshman year. I was so afraid that by They were going to have a picture on the proxy, wall of you? Yeah, that I was going to get in trouble. So we just never came back. So there's a few places. There's a few places. Uh, uh, Perry Perry State Park up in Topeka. That's a different story for maybe I'll tell that story on Wednesday. And uh, the uh, the rec center. I'm, I'm sure just banned from every rec center ever. I let, I'm at least I don't think I mean I don't even think I'm banned. They probably just wanted to know who the other guy was. He's certainly banned. So uh, I'm not excusing Pat Beverly's behavior, but. I think it's it's not hard to figure out why he acted the way he did. Uh, it sounds like, even though we joked about this earlier this week, it sounds like the Chiefs and Tyron Matthew could be closing in on a, an extension. And it, honestly, this would make perfect sense when you just look at the track record of Brett Veach. Like, go back to the previous regime, and I'll never forget the offseason with Justin Houston and Eric Berry. And those things sort of... They spilled on longer than they should have. Ultimately, they got deals done. Going back in time, I don't know if they would. I don't know if they would have redone any of those deals. But with Brett Veach, go back to Chris Jones last year, where we kind of thought after the Patrick Mahomes deal, okay, there's not going to be a ton of money around, and then the details start spilling out about the Mahomes deal, and you realize the structuring is unique to the point where a lot of the money is backloaded, and the Chiefs a little bit more flexibility right now, and then you find out that. Oh, Patrick Mahomes made this deal specifically the way it is so that it would create room for Chris Jones. And I'm not saying that his deal has implications for Tyron Matthew as well. I'm more so saying when you look at the way that the Chiefs conduct business and specifically since Brett Veach has taken over, they identify the guys who they need to keep around or who they want to keep around. And there's no examples of them not being able to get a deal done. Because that's the question you have to ask yourself. If you could get Brett Veach off the record, and he wouldn't say it about everybody, right? But if you asked him about Tyron Matthew and said, you know what about what the price is going to be. Do you want the deal or not? Because a lot of times it's posturing. A lot of times it's, oh, we want to get a deal done. You have to say the certain things just to make sure that you're not seen as like a shoddy organization who is given the runaround to star players. But if you got Brett Veach off the record, what do you think he's saying if you asked him, okay, you know, four-year deal, five-year deal for Tyron Matthew, you're going to make him one of the f- top 10 highest-paid defensive backs in the NFL. You want the deal? What do you think he's saying? No, I don't think he's – I mean, just go back to when they signed him to begin with. He got a three-year contract, and that was when he was on the open market where he was being pursued by other teams to ramp up the price or increase the bidding war, so to speak. So – I don't think if there is an extension that comes in place, I would be pretty surprised if it was long-term for five years. I would assume it'd be probably more of a two-, three-year thing. But, but okay, yeah, don't get caught up on the years. I'm talking about just specifically wanting to get a long-term extension done with him. 
Yeah. You think they want that deal? Oh, They're yeah. willing to commit for three years for, I mean, his cap hit this year is going to be what, like $20 million? Yeah, so. yeah. If it's, you know, three years, $15 million a year, what I, I don't know, uh, something like that. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, he is such a leader of the team. He is a guy who you don't win the Super Bowl a couple years ago without. And I, you can say that about a lot of people, so I, I don't want to overblow that, but um, but you said it, he's a leader. He was a leader yes. on a Super Bowl-winning defense. That's it. Like That's the pitch. It's not that you look at him, like we can get into the football and the X's and O's, but right. it's the fact that he is a leader in that locker room. And, and I think the other thing that goes with him is the idea that like corners might not age all that well because once you turn maybe 32 or 34 or something, you lose a little bit of speed, and that kills you as a corner. Um, maybe defensive linemen, they don't age as well because you lose some of the explosiveness. I'm not saying safeties age super well or anything, but I definitely think we've seen like a long list of safeties. Not that Tyron Matthews old yet, but twenty nine. Uh, we've seen a long list of safeties who have played really well into their mid to late thirties, right? Like you go back to like a Charles Woodson or uh, Ed Reed. Darren Sharper, Ed Reed. Like is Darren Sharper the guy who got trouble off the field? That yeah, you shouldn't yeah, have included. Should have mentioned him. Uh, anyway, um, that position there is so much having to do with. Just being a smart player, understanding the game, the scheme of the defense, what the offense is doing. And I think we know from watching Tyron Matthews' career, he is one of those bright football minds on the defensive end that makes you think that, sure, maybe once the speed goes in three, four, five years, like he's still going to be a good player. So I think the exact word that Jeremy Fowler, who reported this on SportsCenter earlier today, the exact word that he used was pillar. The Chiefs view him as a pillar of the organization. And going back to the theory with Brett Veach is that if you view someone as a pillar, as a leader, as someone to build around, you're going to get the deal done. Mm-hmm. And more than just saying it's going to happen, it's not going to spill into the season. I'm not saying that Brett Veach hasn't missed. I'm not saying that he's bad at a 1,000. But when it comes to doing things the right way, and getting stuff done so it doesn't cloud what's going on on the field. I don't know if there's been anybody, at least since he's taken over at GM, that's done it better than like you just don't you don't hear about guys who are disgruntled or dismayed that they haven't got the deal done or that it's spilled into the season or that you have to risk a holdout and he's saying, I don't know if I'm gonna play, I don't know what's gonna happen here. Like there's none of that. There's none of that discontent within the organization, which tells me sometime in the next month, month and a half. Maybe sooner than that, there's going to be a deal on the table and accepted with Matthew. Yeah, like even you think back to Chris Jones. Like Chris Jones was a little bit disgruntled, um, but it, like you said, it never spilled into the season. That was always just an off-season thing, and then you got it done well before the season started. So you don't have to worry about, you know, does that fracture the locker room? Because anytime a guy holds out or anytime a, a guy is, you know, not playing with the team currently because he's holding out for money – that is going to maybe fracture a little bit of the locker room. Like, most guys are going to be like, yeah, we support you, get your money. A couple other guys might be like, yeah, but you could also do that while competing with us. We're working our asses off. Come help us. And now you don't have to worry about that if you get it all done before training camp happens, before the preseason happens, before the season happens. You don't want those situations to what otherwise looks to be a pretty tight-knit locker room, and you don't want to cause any gaps in there. It'll be interesting to see what the exact number is on it and who will be next, but that's sort of the way it's worked. Get a deal done, then move on to the next guy. Tyron Matthews first, then you move on to the next guy who's going to need an extension. That's been the way they've operated, so 
There's no reason to think they're not going to continue doing that. All right, he's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk.